last week on the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. I, I used find yeah, replace, I, and apparently <laughs> it, it, it wrote over where I said the song, it, it said our opinions on individual songs, June be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> go, to, go to the Amazon and, and buy your copy of, uh, it's uh, four bucks on the Kindle. Nice. And cool. Yeah, geez, maybe I should even read it on the Kindle if it's only four bucks. Yeah, so, yeah. I might, I might. And then I can have him sign my Kindle. <laughs> no, he could do an electronic signature. <laughs> so get off my lawn. Yeah, right. <laughs> get out of my MRI machine. <laughs> Who's Richard Harris? I know the name. <laughs> he's a, this kind of famous British actor. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not famous enough for you to know. <laughs> this telephone man. This was peaking. Your father was a telephone man. He was. Yeah, the song was inspired by him. <laughs> not. <laughs> My uh, 40th high school reunion is coming up in Rocktober. Ah. So, you going to go? Ah, probably. You know, I live too close to my alma mater. As, <laughs> as, uh, You're going to Dingling High School? <laughs> <laughs> I could skip Rob Zombie. Yeah. All I want to hear is the housewife rock. And that's not true, okay? <laughs> I've heard thunder when it's not raining. Yeah. Right? So there's there's a bit of tomfoolery <laughs> going on there. Well, you know, it's interesting. You should say that that yeah, that thunder only happens when it rains. So it's like that's fake news, or or is it a rumor? Perhaps. <laughs> How come there's not a lonely boy? You know. Restaurant. Restaurant. Yeah. Uh, There's a big boy. <laughs> what it used to be. There's also a soap life boy. <laughs> There's a soap called life boy. Yep. again and welcome to the 70s weekly countdown with mark and pete a show where two friends review a randomly chosen american top 40 episode from the 1970s the most interesting decade in pop music my name is mark roback and with me is my friend and co-host peter gardo hello peter what's happening well we couldn't have had a better stretch of weather since that thunderstorm rolled through on what was it saturday night 
Yeah, yeah, I was um I was down in Rhode Island when that hit, so I did I, I was watching it on radar, but I didn't uh, we didn't get hit down there too bad, but so um, mid seventies, low humidity, beautiful. How's your golf game? Ah, good, good. I went uh went golfing yesterday with our uh, co-worker Steve P. And uh, so he's uh, golfing now. So his his wing is better, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had uh, he had an arm injury that's all healed up, and, uh-huh. uh, and uh, yeah, had had some fun doing that and golfed mm-hmm. in our league last Monday. So and then we've got that uh, tournament coming up in a couple weeks, right? Yeah, uh, two weeks from tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll have weather like this. Yeah. Were you were you out on the course the time we were playing and it was raining and I had the rattler and it, it flew out of my hands and got stuck in a tree? No, no. Unfortunately, I wasn't <laughs> there for that one. I think that was like after the first year I played. I didn't play the second year or something. Yeah. I, I wish I had seen that. I wish somebody had filmed that. Actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm actually going to probably play for the first time this year three or four days before that i'm i'm going to be golfing with uncle bill up in the uh, catskills oh okay very good so uh as you can tell pete and i have been friends for a long time 30 plus years we met in college and then ended up working together for a long time in uh, each of these episodes we'll review all 40 songs in the chosen week's countdown and provide some factual information on each song as well as our personal ratings stories and comments related to it at the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer. And we'll give our individual A plus through F grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering. All right, Mark. So today is episode 54 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, American Top 40 from the week ending August 3rd, 1974. The title of this episode is I Shot the Sheriff with a Machine Gun. All righty. I had some fun with the titles this week. I, I could have gone on and on, actually. Oh, it, it was great. So... um what were you doing in early August of 1974? Well, kind of talked about it last last summer when we randomly picked, I think it was late August or early September 74, but uh, I, I forget that episode, but uh, it was the summer of hepatitis. So oh, yeah. my folks, my folks got the hepatitis and um, it, we didn't do Jack until two weeks from, from then. So all the way from the end of school up until uh, the middle of, of August, we did nothing. Except uh, August 1st, two days before this, at uh, 2.15 in the afternoon, I had a an appointment with, with Dr. Basin, my pediatrician. Mm-hmm. So I had just turned, I guess, nine years old, you know, five, six weeks before that or so. But on the on the sixteenth of uh, of the month, we would head to Michigan, and we went to Mackinac Island. And of course, along the way, we visited my folks' parents, and we saw friends out in in Ann Arbor. I, I met the first lady of 
of the state of Michigan at, at that trip. <clears throat> and also, also when I was there uh, on, on Mackinac Island, it's when Nelson Rockefeller was uh, confirmed as vice president. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that was right around that time. Yep. Yeah. We'll be discussing so I, that I remember that. And I'd be starting the fourth grade in uh, in about a month. So, yeah, I, uh, I'd be starting the fifth grade in about a month. And uh, I don't really have any specific memories other than the stuff going on in the, in the news that we'll get to. But um, uh, I got Gail's journal from this year. I'm showing on Channel 18. It's the one that's the, I call it the flower power one. It's got like, <laughs> colorful flowers all over it. And um, her family had a tag sale. Nice. August 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. All right, Thursday yeah. through Saturday. Yeah, she gets to the end. She said they made $123, which would be about 768 today. And uh, Gail herself, of that 123 made $17. And she says, oh, well, I guess I didn't have as much junk to sell, sell as everybody <laughs> else. Um, but uh, but that'd be about 100, $106 back then. So that, that was not bad. Yeah. yeah, I always, I always remember her telling me about that actually, and and how, you know, the people were lined up on the street before they opened, you know, the first day. <laughs> Tag sale people are are yeah. are are a, of of a breed, and uh, I remember the time my my mother wanted to have a like she called it a yard sale, it wasn't a tag sale? Yeah, and, and it was horrific. Yeah, because my my mother thought everything was worth more. And she, she <laughs> couldn't part with Jack. It, it was just awful. And so yeah. that was the only time it ever happened. And I've never had one here. I've brought stuff down to the neighborhood has one and, the, you know, the church has one. So uh, I keep on saying, oh, geez, I'd be great for a tag sale. And, but I'm, I don't keep a list. I keep a list of when I cut the grass, but I don't keep a list of all the crap I have to get rid of. I never had one either. I mean, my my parents never had had any and and i didn't have one when i owned the house i, I did the same as you the, the church would have a tag sale and we'd donate mm -hmm. stuff or i think there was one neighborhood one while we were there that yeah everybody pulled in or whatever it was but yeah yeah they are they are a lot of work and you, know, you got to deal with all the people coming <laughs> etc in fact gail describes it's like oh there are a lot of nice nice people there were some weirdos one, one, one <laughs> so woman, this is from 1974 right one one okay. woman stole the book oh, yeah no, nothing changes right <laughs> no no yeah. no human nature uh we do have a correction from last week's episode i was <laughs> i was not exactly right you mean you were wrong mm. <laughs> yeah that's right malfa i was what you just said i was just then yeah this was my goof. You you picked it up, and I I actually sort of thought it was wrong as I was reading it. But uh, I had the wrong magazine cover. I had the People magazine, and I said it was celebs of '76, and and you were right. That was from July of '76, not '77. Somehow we we did two episodes that were a year apart, and uh, somehow I just. I don't know. Pick that one out. Maybe I saw it and thought it was cool and <laughs> and mistook it for 77. But uh, 
yeah anyway so so we had we had that but other than that i don't think there were any mistakes and uh yeah the latest episode's doing decent so i got over uh 80 listens so far so oh my goodness yeah yeah we're doing all right out out there you should quit your day job (laughs) yeah yeah because i'm uh not making enough money i tell you that joke about being retired somebody said I maybe I even told it in the last episode, but it's like, you know, people ask you, you know, what do you do all day? And it's like, I do nothing, but I do that in the morning. So the afternoon is free. <laughs> so, <laughs> I never heard that. That's very clever. So uh, anyway, um, some news headlines from uh, early August, 1974, August 3rd, Jeff Skunk Baxter, guitarist and founding member of Steely Dan, quits the band and joins the Doobie Brothers. Interesting music news. Also, uh, August 5th, Joan Jett forms her rock group, The Runaways, in England, don't you know? I didn't, wow. I didn't, know, I didn't know it was formed in England. Well, who else was in The Runaways? Wasn't Lita Ford in The Runaways? Lita Ford. And, and someone else. And, uh, I know Lita Ford's from England, don't you know? But I thought, I thought Joan Jett was American. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, I thought she was. Uh, I thought the rest of them were maybe from California. There was a, I. I should have probably looked up the names before we talked about this. But then there was the other one that was in that thing you call the rock and roll steeplechase, and Joan Jett was in it, and Lita Ford was in it as well too. And Joan Jett, but there was a third one that was a really good athlete, Sandy West. That was interesting. And then, um, yeah, also on August 5th, some magazine covers that I hope I got right uh, this time. (laughs) Uh, Time magazine was The Vote to Impeach. This, of course, was the time of the Watergate hearings. Well, the hearings were the year before. This is when the whip was coming down. Right. Yeah. 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 And then uh, Newsweek had (laughs) the impeachment vote. So they worded it differently, (laughs) but they had the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I thought this was interesting. Sports Illustrated has the pro football strike. And I'm like, really? Pro football had a strike that year? I don't remember anything about that. And then it was like they held a strike from July 1st until August 10th. Prior to the regular season beginning, so they only uh, there was only one preseason game that got uh, canceled. Also on August fifth, I've mentioned this before. There was a concert at the Whiskey A Go Go in West Hollywood, California, and they were filming Don Kirshner's rock concert. And the big band on there was ABBA, but also Rory Gallagher. So there's wow. a picture on the web with. Uh, Rory with the ABBA folks, big smiles nice. on their faces. So, and I've actually watched that uh, episode of Don Kirshner's rock concert on YouTube. So maybe I'll throw a clip up in the uh, show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, August 7th, Philippe Petit walks a tightrope strung between the Twin Towers, the World Trade Centers in New York City. They had a like a documentary on that uh, a few years back that, that was really good. The documentary was Man on Wire from 2008, and the dramatization film was The Walk from 2015. Um, it's it's amazing, you know. It, it, if you think about the evil Knievel stuff going on back then, and and you know, not to say that stuff he was doing wasn't dangerous and daring, but this guy. And and it was also like a, a a caper. I mean, they literally had to like sneak in so they could rig the stuff up there. 
How do you how do you get a, a, a cable across between the twin towers? Do you, do you have to you know I, like I, those I, movies where they they have those you know repelling things and they shoot it with a cannon? You know, like yeah. you'd see in Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, I think it it was. I thought it was like a crossbow or something. And, Didn't I mean, the six million dollar man have to do that too when he <laughs> was escaping with a blind guy and his kid oh, that wanted to remain with his friend, the communist? That's right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah. If you you know if you catch that documentary, I thought it was very good. And the guy he yeah. he got arrested for for what he did, but then they they sentenced him to do community service by uh, performing in Central Park on a on a wire. So. Yeah. Well, that was well that six million dollar man episode is not one of my favorites and then and the uh, thing is the soviet union looks like southern california <laughs> in, that, in that episode yeah yeah <laughs> a lot of things looked like so- southern california <laughs> on tv back then yeah that's right i think mash uh, korea looks like southern california too <laughs> that's right the san gabriel mountains right yeah 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 I, did I tell you about it? I was watching the Beverly Hillbillies and the one with the, did I tell you that uh, who's your favorite actor that was the guest on Gilligan's Island? Oh, uh, you mean the Harold Hecuba? Uh, yeah, Harold Hecuba. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Phil Silvers. Phil Silvers. So Phil yeah. Silvers was in a two-parter of 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 the uh, <laughs> Beverly Hillbillies and he's trying to get, you know, he, he knows that, you know, the Clampets have all this money and and they're going to drill. And Mr. Drysdale thinks that they're drilling for oil in the San Gabriel Mountains, but but uh, Harold Hecuba or Phil Silver's character says, "No, we're going to drill a hole through it and put a giant fan in it to get the smog out of the the uh, Los Angeles basin." <laughs> and 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 uh, Jed Clampett thought it was a great idea. Yeah, actually, it doesn't sound like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest idea he ever had. Who but Harold Hecuba could think of an idea? As brilliant as that. Us. That's who. Oh, that's great. I got to catch that episode. I, 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 Every time I see Phil Silvers, I think he's great. Yeah. Well, I was listening to uh, my Jack Benny podcast, and it's the summer of specials. And Jack Benny was on a Phil Silvers special that was a Western. Oh. And uh, I'll, I'll send you the link to, to, to that. Uh, you can watch it uh, in the afternoon after you've done nothing in the morning. Okay. Yeah, that'll be a good activity. So finally in the news, August 9th, uh, Richard Nixon resigns as president of the United States and Vice President Gerald Ford takes the oath of office uh, to take his place as the 38th president. So did your father have any note of that in his date book? Okay, hang on. I got it. This is August 74. So it was P.E. board. No, it was the 9th, right? Yeah, P.E. board. It was a Friday. Okay. He went on TV the night before and announced that noon the next day he would be uh, leaving. If noon tomorrow, I will be yeah. resigning the presidency of the United States of America. So Gail just said, written here, uh, tonight our country and the world, including myself, saw history being made on TV. President Nixon was the first U.S. president to resign in the entire history of our country. He resigned after all of this Watergate and impeachment hearings were getting pretty hot. She, says. Yeah. she goes on to say she she sort of felt sorry for him. And then she says, Gerald Ford will be sworn in tomorrow. 
And then she just goes on to say, uh, Gerald Ford is our president now. He seems like a very down-to-earth, neat guy. His whole family <laughs> seems pretty nice, especially his son, Stephen, who's 18 and good-looking, exclamation point. <laughs> he was the actor, I think, Stephen Ford. Um, oh, really? Yeah. He was on a soap opera. He was also in um, Escape from New York with uh, uh, Adrian Barbeau. Yep, yep. Uh, his other children are John, 22, Michael, 24, who was recently married to a girl named Gail, and Susan, 17. <laughs> and his wife's name is Betty. So, mm -hmm. and Of course, she's famous for the Betty Ford Clinic, which is still around and has helped a lot of a lot of people. Yeah. Because yeah. she had issues. Um, and, you know, that's that's a great way of using your your celebrity. And uh, uh, but I'm sure people got, you know. I don't know if she got rich, but probably other people did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with that. Yeah. And uh, no, Jerry Ford, you know, Eagle Scout. Um, huh? Does he know the secret good. handshake? No. <laughs> <laughs> From yeah. Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he always seems yeah. like a you know, guy that had integrity to me. And and take I would like him to I would like him to be my congressman. Would, like to you should run home. for Congress in your in your spare time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could run in the afternoon because in the morning I'm doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to, don't want to infringe on that. But uh, anyway, speaking of nothing, uh, 1974 technology. I, I didn't find anything of note, <laughs> so we'll uh, move on to the economy. In 1974, uh, unemployment rate was 4.9 percent. Inflation rate. 13.9%. So that's what poor Jerry Ford was walking into. And that's what prompted him to try that win strategy. <laughs> and what does win stand for again? Whip inflation now. Yeah. yeah. Not, not next week, not <laughs> next year, but now. <laughs> it's another acronym. And uh, I was uh, talking with uh, uh, Ken Kay, the author of the, uh, the book that we advertised. <laughs> Last, yeah. in the last plug. episode plugged plugged, yeah, week, plugged yeah yeah we plugged it you know so it sounds like something johnny carson would say yeah well he'll, he's here to plug his book <laughs> and uh and i said i said it's hard to read on the kindle because it's just full of acronyms and oh he says, well I'll, I'll print you out an acronym list and i said you don't need you know i know a lot of it because i've been working in aerospace for all these years yeah but, but it just turns into a whole bunch of gibbledygook so I'm about halfway done with that book. It's, you know, for anyone that, you know, is into aerospace, you know, I'll plug it again. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually plan on reading it. I'm in, in the midst of reading something else right now, but you know, in my, in the afternoon, cause I don't do anything in the morning, but uh, I'll, uh, what are you reading? Yeah. The, 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 the uh, novelization of Baywatch. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause Mitch? the sound, the sound's off. I need to read the dialogue. <laughs> What's Mitch doing today? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's fan fiction out there of Baywatch oh, as of everything sure else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so with that inflation, um, the same buying power of today's dollar was about 16 cents back then. And the cost of a gallon of regular gas was 53 cents. That's about 328 today. And does that match your real-time data? Miss Emily, Miss Mamie, we got to have some gas. 
that you have yeah. much actually with well, the, uh, well, summer here's of, the deal. Yeah. Yeah. The summer of hepatitis. I wrote it down again here. For those of you who are watching on channel 18, you can see it right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Volkswagen bus, the 72 Volkswagen bus was filled up on the 16th of July. And it wasn't filled up again until the 12th of August. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, four days later, we went to Michigan in it. But uh, on the 12th, 55.9 cents a gallon and uh, 19.4 miles per gallon, which is you know, pretty good. And then mm -hmm. the the VW Squareback had a little bit more uh, action. Uh, it was filled up on the 9th, and it was 52.9 cents a gallon. Well, and, right on the uh, money. Well, yeah. You, I guess you round it up. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't have it in tenths. <laughs> I'll, your KPC, I'll your I'll KPCs are terrible. Yeah, I'll, what, I'll what's work KPC on that. mean? Since before your sun burned hot in space, and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. I don't remember uh, key production characteristic. Is that it? Something. I think it's something that, like yeah. that, or produce yeah. something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. twenty nine <laughs> miles per gallon. All right, that's that's good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All righty. So uh, we'll move on to the TV highlights from uh, this week in 74. Thursday, August 1st, ABC at 8, Temperatures Rising, Kid Genius, Season 2, Episode 16. And it's got Robbie Rist and Alan Oppenheimer on it, too. So, uh, so of course, we know Robbie Rist as Cousin Oliver Yeah, from The Brady Bunch, Season yeah. 5. And yeah. he was also uh, Ted Baxter's adopted kid That's in the right. Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah, yeah. He, you you would see him in a lot of a lot of TV shows too. I remember watching a Bionic Woman. Oh yeah, he was ago. in the classroom with a Bionic Woman uh, at the Air Force Base or whatever right. it was. Yeah. yeah. So which I thought was interesting because of course Alan Oppenheimer also associated with that franchise. <laughs> That's right. He was the second Doctor Rudy Wells. That's correct. Yeah. And 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 Martin E. Brooks was the third. And the first was Kolchak, right? Yeah. Although I don't know that they called him that character because he was in the movie. That the... he was in the movie, in the pilot yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. Darren McGavin. Yeah. Darren McGavin. Yeah. Uh, of course, temperature was rising. That was Paul Lind, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was the Paul Lind. Yeah. Because yep. they were supposed to do another season of Bewitched, and, and Elizabeth Montgomery said nfw and yeah. <laughs> um and so he was under contract with abc and so he that's when he got his that show yeah yeah but yeah. he was also in that show the paul lynn show maybe right. that's what i'm thinking of yeah yeah I, yeah yeah but i thought temperature rising was also a, a vehicle for him i don't think it well it says season two i don't know how, how long it went i didn't yeah. think it went that long but i think the paul lynn show is pretty pretty good yeah, yeah. He, when he breaks the fourth wall, what a what a great. Yeah. And of course, our friends Nate and John know him from uh, uh, Charlotte's Web. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, then uh, over. Uh, if you didn't want to watch Temperatures Rising over on NBC at eight, yeah, the Mac Davis Show, season one, nice. episode four, with Helen Reddy and Jimmy Walker. So, <laughs> Dynamite. Dynamite. Yeah, that must have been a dynamite show. Hello, lucky person. You got the number right because you are talking to kid a dynamite. Friday, August 2nd, your hit parade. And they had the stylistics on. 
And this was a new series reviving the old radio and television show featuring top music hits. And it says it stars Kelly Garrett and Shirley and Chuck Wolvery. So I don't remember that. I don't think that lasted very long. Um, I don't know if it was just a summer replacement, too. Yeah. Um, well, I Chuck remember- Wolvery, he, he was in that TV show in the in the 90s. Uh, were uh, be back in two. What was it? Uh, the dating. It was not a the dating game. It was uh, uh, the new. What was that game? show? No, 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 no. Where where he was like a matchmaker. Uh-oh. My wife used to watch it when we were dating. Uh, what the heck was it called? I don't remember. Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember. But I remember my parents talking about your hit parade a lot. Like you know, they used to watch and listen to that you know, back in the day. Anyway, um, then uh, moving on to Saturday, Love August. Connection. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that was that was actually pretty big. Surprised, it was, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised I didn't remember that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't either until I looked it up on the interweb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, then uh, Saturday, August third, ABC at eight, The Partridge Family, and the episode is "Morning Becomes Electric," <laughs> season four, episode twenty. I just think the plot of this one's kind of funny. Danny becomes the family gas meter reader in an attempt to conserve energy, and the family winds up living by candlelight and huddled around the fireplace. <laughs> that was pretty good. But I, I tell you, the biggest find in what was on TV around this time was uh, Tuesday, August 6th, CBS at 8.30, Hawaii Five O. And the episode's Mother's Deadly Helper. It's from season six. It's episode 22 with... Casey Kasem. Ooh. He plays a right-wing extremist calling himself Mother's Helper. And he embarks on a murderous crusade against what he considers laxity in law enforcement and too lenient judges. So I have not seen that or I don't remember it anyway. So I want to go back and and, and watch that at some point because right, it's got Casey in it. Yeah, yeah. And moving on to movie releases, had to bounce around a little bit here. Back in July 24th, Death Wish, starring Charles Bronson and Vincent Gardenia. Is that, you know, like the Casey Kasem, you know, being a a, a, a vigilante? vigilante. Well, it was kind of, you know, it's interesting because also you had the Dirty Harry movies came out a little bit earlier, earlier Mm -hmm. 70s. But it was around the time where people thought, you know, crime was running rampant and you had had the like Miranda rights decisions and stuff a little bit earlier. And there was this thing of in the pop culture of kind of, you know, people getting wanting to fight back or thinking that, uh, yeah, crime was, was uh, too rampant. But what's interesting is I was down in Rhode Island visiting my sister and I was flipping channels after she went to bed and I caught the end of death wish at the very end spoiler alert if you haven't seen it but i haven't seen it all right well maybe i shouldn't spoil it because you might want to watch it but uh anyway (laughs) at the very end charles bronson has uh he uh encounters some hippie type kids or whatever like kind of you know near do wells and and one of them i'm looking at it it's like god i think that's jeff goldblum and then earlier also there was a plain clothes policeman and i was like that looks like Christopher Guest and I looked looked it up on IMDb and sure enough it was those two guys. Oh wow. But the Jeff That's Goldblum the Jeff Goldblum's very first on-screen appearance is in Columbo. Uh, Columbo, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the one with uh, 
Yeah, the one with the the Hector the Arabs. Yeah, yeah, Hector Alizondo. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hector Alizondo was also in a Kojak, which is pretty good. Yeah, and then uh, so August seventh, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia, starring Warren Oates and our, our friend Chris Christopherson. And I never saw this movie, but I always cracked up at the title. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what would uh, what would our buddy Casey uh, say after he got off the set of uh, Hawaii Five O? Yeah, and now he would say, uh, "On with the countdown." <laughs> I didn't remember this song. Yeah, I didn't either. It's funny what the title is. The title is Kung Fu. It's by Curtis Mayfield of his album Sweet Exorcist. And uh, this one peaked right here at number 40. This was the last of his five top 40 hits, his biggest being Freddy's Dead and uh, Superfly that went to number three and number eight, respectively, in 1972. Of course, he had many more hits on the R&B charts, and uh, he was a member of the Impressions in the 1960s. And I didn't, I didn't know this. On August 13th, 1990, he became paralyzed from the neck down after a stage. Uh, oh yeah, lightning yeah. fell, and uh, yep. yeah, he was at uh, it was at Wingate Field in Flatbush, uh, Brooklyn, New York. And although he was unable to play the guitar, he continued to compose and sing, which he found he could do by lying down and letting gravity pull down his chest and lungs. And uh, the, the 1996 album New World Order was recorded in that way, with vocals sometimes recorded in lines at a time. But uh, he unfortunately passed away in 1999, only at the age of 57. I um I wrote I ranked that one a neutral. Oh okay, yeah, yep. we got to do that. Yeah, uh, it was it was. Yeah, funky. I'll, I'll go I'll go neutral on that too. Yeah, it was funky, but uh, not, nothing real special. So speaking of funk, though, this is our friend Billy Preston. Nothing from nothing off his album Kids and Me. And this was in our episode 19 from September 14th, where it was number six. It'll get to number one. And we talked about how Preston started writing this one one night in the dressing room of an Atlanta nightclub where he was performing. He wanted to write a song based on the saying, nothing from nothing, leaves nothing. And uh, Preston had five top 10 US hits. So he passed away in 2006 at the age of 59. Yikes. Ooh. Yeah, this not, is good. Yeah, I, I rated this one good as well. Well, if I could go excellent, I would. So I'm yeah. just going to have to go good. 
Yeah, this is Then Came You with, uh, by Dionne Warwick uh, with the spinners off the album New and Improved. And yeah, we had this one in our episode 19 from September 14th as well. It was number eight. And uh, Casey said Dionne Warwick and the spinners have been around since 1962 and 61. And uh, Dionne Warwick first joined forces with the spinners in the summer of 73 when they toured together for seven weeks. And the spinners were produced by Tom Bell, who came up with the idea of pairing them on this song with Dion. And uh, Dion's still with us. She's 82. Yeah. But uh, yeah, good song. I think I had this as my best song from that episode, actually. Yeah. Did you ever call the psychic hotline? Uh, I did not. Okay. And I don't I don't need to nowadays because I know I'm not going to do anything tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Number 37. I wonder who this is. Fiber Slap. Yeah. And this is what you rap to. I mean, come on like you should. Come on with You know, I have my James Brown's greatest hits LP, and I think I actually more Viber Slap. Um, <laughs> this is great. Yeah. What, what can you say? Yeah. You'd you'd say sap, right? No, I didn't say sap. Um, so yeah, this is my thing. T-H-A-N-G by uh, James Brown off his album Hell. This was a double album. And uh, this is the number one song on the soul chart this week in 77. And Casey said this is the man's 84th hit record. Wow. This one will get to number 29. And unlike most of his songs, uh, this song was released not as a two-part single, but instead issued with three different B-sides. Um, it spent two weeks at the number one on the R&B singles chart. It was Brown's second number one in a row on that chart, following The Payback. And this has been sampled by many hip-hop artists, including DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, the Lords of the Underground, Kanye West and Jay-Z, Bell Biv DeVoe, Ooh. and Heavy D and the Boys also sampled yeah. this. So. <laughs> What are you going? Um, I, I I went neutral. Um, oh. I, I think there's better James Brown songs. It's got the funk and it's got the James Brown. I'll give it that. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, we're going to have a little uh, intro on number 36 from the star of Hawaii Five-0 for this week, Casey Kasem. <laughs> Now on AT40, I have the current hit by the man who writes number one songs for other artists, but uses material by other songwriters when he himself records. At least that's the way it looks. You see, in the mid-60s, he was one-third of the hottest American songwriting team in the business. Three guys who worked for Motown Records, who turned out hit after hit for artists like Marvin Gaye, The Supremes, The Four Tops, The Miracles, and so on. More than 25 of their songs made the top ten and an even dozen hit number one. A few years ago, the trio, Eddie Holland, his brother Brian, and their friend Lamont Dozier, left Motown to do their own thing. Last February, Lamont hit the top 40 as a singer with Trying to Hold On to My Woman, a song that he didn't write. And he's at number 36 this week with his second top 40 hit as a singer with a song he also didn't write. 
It's called Fish Ain't Biting, and Lamont apparently ain't writing. The big dummy? He's not writing. Yeah. You big dummy. That was pretty funny. So, yeah. Um, so this uh, got to number 26 and number four on the R&B chart. This was one of two top 40 hits for Lamont. As Casey said, uh, his other one was uh, trying to hold on to my woman. That went to number 15 in 1973. Uh, that one and this one are two songs he, he didn't write, as, as Casey also mentioned. But of course, as part of Holland Dozier and Holland, he wrote many songs. Did, did you listen to the lyrics of this one? I went and looked them up. Who's he talking about in this? Uh, Richard Nixon. Yeah, yeah. So there's a line in here. It goes, and meanwhile in D.C., Tricky Dick is trying to be slick, and the short end of the stick is all I'm going to (laughs) get. Tricky Dick. I I just pulled that out of my fanny. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. But the the last line is, Tricky Dick, please quit. So Lamont got his wish. (laughs) Or the songwriter did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless unless, uh, Lamont... uh, ad-libbed on that you know yeah yeah Uh, lamont passed away uh just last year on august 8th at the age of 81 but but i i i rated this one good jim croce hadn't uh passed away yet right when this came out um uh no he had actually it was uh, september 20th of 73. oh wow he's he's making hits from the grave wow. yeah 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 he had quite a few songs become hits after his death so there it is working at the car wash blues this was in our episode nine from uh june 29th 74 where it was number 39 and yeah as we mentioned he had been killed in a plane crash the year before in september and he had done a concert that night we mentioned that was the same night as the battle of the sexist tennis match and so very few people came to the concert they wanted to watch that match on tv and, uh, this album also included hits the title track uh, i've got a name and also i have to say i love you in a song so those were yeah. big yeah. hits also off this album yeah. i know that sister number one had this lp yeah yeah i um i rated this one a, a neutral and and maybe it's just because i thought his, his other hits were a lot better but it's it's, it's good that's a great line right there. I, I love that breakdown. Yeah. Number 34. It reminds me, I have to wash the car. We went to the beach, geez, almost three weeks ago, and I still haven't washed the car yet. Or maybe, I don't know. Was the car outside during any of those? Now, all those rainstorms that we had were in the evening. I was already home. Yeah. I got caught in a huge rainstorm going to that retirement party. Yeah, that's another reason I didn't. Yeah. I should send you uh, <coughs> photographs that I got uh, of, of the flooding. I, I got it because it's on the agenda for my next oh. meeting. 
and uh, down on Franklin Avenue, you can see Naylor School right around the corner from our wife uh, grew up. Yeah. And the water is so deep in one of these storms. Um, the water was up to the bottom of a U.S. Postal Service drop box. Oh, wow. You know, and, uh, and then they, and then they show photographs of, of how the big city isn't cleaning the streets. So all of the, uh, storm sewers are, are, the water can't go anywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a problem. Yep. Anyway, this is, uh, yeah, I Shot the Sheriff by Eric Clapton. And this was in both our episodes 19 and 9. And uh, it's debuting here, and it will get to number one. And Casey said, here's a singer who hasn't had a hit song since 1970 when he had After Midnight. And I Shot the Sheriff was written and originally recorded by Bob Marley in 1973 with his band The Wailers. female backing singer on this track is Yvonne Elliman. Mm-hmm. And Marley said that some of the song is true, but would not say which parts. And his girlfriend, when this was written, Esther Anderson, claims she helped write this, and it's about birth control, as we mentioned before, and I, I don't get yeah. it. <laughs> I don't get it either. But uh, but I rated this good. Yeah, I'm going to go neutral on this. Okay. Played too much. Yeah, and once you hear the Bob Marley version, I think this is better than the Bob Marley version. Um, Bob Marley version is good, but I just, I don't know what he was trying to do, but it turned into number one, so good for him. Yeah. Yeah. So... I was watching Gilligan's Island over the weekend. And uh, that episode that I was watching is, you know, for the most part, Gilligan's Island is pretty truthful and, you know, is, you know, I can believe it. But this one I couldn't because what was a gorilla doing on a deserted island? Okay. Okay. Because gorillas are from like, Central Africa. Okay. That's right. Yeah. And and then at the end of the episode, spoiler alert, you know, <laughs> the last thing that when they're out of grenades, they yeah. he throws a, another device, and yeah. the professor's like, "Oh no!" And they show a hydrogen bomb going off. Yes. They'd all be dead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it, it didn't make any sense. It, it, it's you know. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I I did love the the. The professor's tagline after the explosion. You remember? Remind me. Say, it wasn't a grenade after all. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, you're right. That one was uh, was a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't just a. It wasn't just like a nuclear bomb. It was was the H bomb. It's like the the island one. You know. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, so this is This Heart by Gene Redding off his album Blood Brother. Redding was born in 1945 in Anderson, Indiana. He was an American singer who was discovered by Etta James at a USO club in Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, wow. He he released this one album on Capitol Records entitled uh, Blood Brother, and the album hit number 45 on the Billboard R&B Albums chart. The song was written by the songwriting team of Dennis Lambert and Brian Potter. The song peaked at number 24. He also had a minor R&B hit with the title track Blood Brothers off the album. I couldn't find anything more though on this guy or the song, but but I kind of liked it. I, I, I rated it good. Okay. Yeah, I went neutral. Nice song, but it doesn't do much for me. Hmm. Nice, beautiful voice. You know, yeah. great... Great, great arrangement. Yeah, surprising he didn't uh, didn't do more. Hmm. No waiting for the title and the lyrics for this one. So this is Wild Thing by Fancy off their album Wild Thing. And this was in our episode 19 from September 14th, where it was number 25. It's the highest debuting song this week, and it was originally made a hit by the British band The Trogs in 1966. There have been many covered versions of the song. This version made it to number 14, and Fancy was an early to mid-1970s pop group from England, don't you know? The band was made up of session musicians and produced by Mike Hurst. The musicians included Ray Fenwick, who was a guitarist that played with the Spencer Davis group and later with Deep Purple's Ian Gillen in his solo group, the Ian Gillen Band. And Ray passed away last April at the age of 75. And uh, And if you want to have a... uh, a in-depth discussion about this LP, go to episode 96 of the Deep Purple podcast where they, because Ray Fenwick was in the Gillen Band, or the Ian Gillen, the Gillen Band, yeah. uh, they, they go deep into this. So that was from February of 2021. And I, I listened to that episode on, on my way to Tom Zagurski's wake. Oh. So, <laughs> so I, I, whatever I think... When I heard this, I, th- I thought of Tommy. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so this um, Fancy also had a second U.S. Uh, hit with Touch Me, peaking at number 19. And, uh, I went neutral on this. I, I, I Unfortunately, I think I like the Trogs version better. Original. Yeah, I, I'm going neutral also on this. Something came up, and my wife said, uh, didn't Sam Kennison do that? I says, no, he did Wild Thing. Okay. Remember when Sam Kennison put out his, his LP? Oh, yeah. And he was singing. You're a lying, unfaithful, untrustable tramp, and I think I love you. I, fr- I forget what she thought it was. Uh, this is finally got myself together. Parentheses. I'm a changed man by the impressions off the album. Finally got myself together, and this was in our episode nine, where it was number thirty-seven. 
And this is the impressions without Curtis Mayfield. We discussed how he was in the, in the band in the uh, in the '60s. Uh, it peaked at number 17 and number one on the R&B chart. The group was founded as the Roosters by uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee native Sam Gooden, Richard Brooks, and Arthur Brooks, who moved to Chicago and added Jerry Butler and Curtis Mayfield to their lineup and became Jerry Butler and the Impressions. And by 1962, Butler and the Brookses had departed. And after switching to ABC Paramount Records, Mayfield, uh, Gooden, and returning original Impressions, Fred Cash became a top selling soul act. Uh, this song was the group's big biggest hit after the departure of Curtis Mayfield and uh, these guys were inductees into both the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Vocal Hall of Fame. Um, I, I gave this one a neutral. Yeah, I I put bad because I don't like this song. Um, I think it's I guess I'm not a soul music guy um, mm-hmm. billboards number 30 lie beside me on the sand put some lotion in your hand come on and make me feel nice and kiss me once or twice say you love me again then rub it in rub it in okay so there it is rub it in by Billy parentheses Crash Craddock. This was number 22 from our episode 19 from September 14th. Peaked at number 16. So this is a cover. It's a song written and originally recorded by uh, Lane Martin Jr. And, uh, credited as Lane Mar- Martin. And uh, his version released on the Barnaby Records label was produced by Ray Stevens and was a U.S. chart single in the fall of 71, reaching number 65. Billy Wayne Crash Craddock is an American and rockabilly singer. He gained popularity in the U.S. in the 70s with a string of top 10 country hits, several of which were number one hits, including Rub It In. Uh, He also had Broken Down in Tiny Pieces and Ruby Baby. Craddock is known to his fans as the king of country rock music and Mr. Country Rock for his up-tempo rock-influenced style of country music. He had one other pop hit in 74 with Ruby Baby that got to number 33. This song and that got to number one on the country chart. And uh, Billy's still with us. He turned 84 June 6th. And um, I I said this one's bad. Uh, I just, I don't know. The novelty. Not it's, yeah. it's a novelty song. It's not a very good one, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I went bad on it, too. And, and when you said it was produced, or Ray Stevens, this has Ray Stevens all over it. It does. Okay. Uh, all right. I could and, almost see him doing it and it being, you know, not with the country twist and yeah. whatever. But yeah. And Ray Stevens, great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and it sounds like this guy, Billy Crash Craddock's pretty good guy, too. love that hanging that guitar riff right there yeah don't be afraid that'll make it all right 
yeah, this is Hang On In There Baby by Johnny Bristol. And uh, this was also in our episode 19 from September 14th, where it was number 13. It got to number eight and number two on the R&B. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, on the uh, R&B in some other chart. <laughs> I don't know. I'm missing something there. But anyway, uh, Bristol's most famous as a songwriter and record producer for the Motown label. In the late 60s and early 70s, his composition of Love Me for a Reason saw global success when covered by The Osmonds, being a number one in the UK on the UK charts in 74. Bristol was a male voice on the Supremes version of Someday We'll Be Together, singing the response to Diana, Ross, uh, Diana Ross's lead vocal. And Ross actually recorded the song as a, her initial solo release with uh, session singers, The water sisters but uh unfortunately johnny passed away um in uh, march of uh 2004 only at the age of 65 but uh i rated this good yeah me too This song makes up part of our uh, title of this uh, episode. Yes, it does. And and what's funny when I saw the title, so this is Machine Gun. I I'm like, what song is this by the Commodores? And then when the, when I played it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. It sounds very Billy Preston-ish, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is Machine Gun by the Commodores off their album Machine Gun. This one peaked at number 22. This was written by Mylon Williams, their keyboard player. So the original Commodore, or one of the original Commodores, William King, told Blues and Soul magazine about this song, and they said it was going to be called The Ram. And uh, this was the Commodore's first single release. It's the clavinet, actually, that you're hearing there. By, uh, oh, yeah. When Barry Gordy heard that, he, he, he decided to name the song Machine Gun as the clavinet reminded him of gunfire, I guess. Uh, 1974 marked the first signs of disco as R&B was morphing into something with a little more boogie, and this is an example of that sound. Yeah. And the members of the group met uh, as mostly freshmen at Tuskegee Institute, That's right. uh, Tuskegee University, in 1968. So, who's my favorite clavinet player? Uh, I should know, but I don't. Terry Adams from NRBQ. Oh, okay. So, I'm going good on this. Yeah, I went good too. Here's our buddy Mac. Yeah. Who was who had his own TV show. And uh he got the best career uh, uh what do you call it when someone gives you advice? Oh, career advice. <laughs> Guidance, From Elvis ment- Presley. Yeah, right? mentoring. Well yeah, mentoring. What, wasn't it the Colonel? Actually? That might have been the Colonel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not Colonel Sanders. Right. <laughs> So yeah, this is uh, <laughs> one hell of a woman. 
uh, off Mac Davis's uh, Stop and Smell the Roses LP. And uh, this was in both our episodes 9 and 19, where it was number 18 and number 38, respectively. It peaked at number 11, and it was in the top 40 for 10 weeks, this song. Wow. Long time. Song was written by Davis and Mark James. Mac Davis uh, unfortunately passed away in 2020 at the age of 78. I was on Twitter today and I read, or is it called X now? I was on X today and um, <laughs> I re Xed this post about the movie North Dallas 40 because they said, oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, starring Nick Nolte, and I was like, yeah, and our friend Mac Davis yeah, as well played the quarterback. Well, I went good. Yeah, I went uh, I went neutral on this one, actually. Okay. I'm leaving it all up to you. <laughs> so, so, Mark, what, what would you say to Gail when, when you didn't have an opinion? I, I wouldn't just say it. I would, I would sing it. Just, just like uh, our friends Donnie and Marie are <laughs> right here. There it is. I'm leaving it all up to you. Uh, this was number four in our episode 19 from September 14th. Uh, this was the title track off the debut album from Donnie and Marie. And the song was written and originally performed by Don Harris and Dewey Terry in 1957. It was later popularized in 1963 by American duo Dale and Grace. Took it to number one on the pop chart. Oh, wow. This cover went to number five and number one on the adult contemporary chart. And uh, so despite, maybe I should have went good, but despite me using it all the time <laughs> for that indecisiveness, uh, I, I, I said neutral for this one. All right. I went good. Because I love that story. <laughs> Tell me again, mommy. All right. I'm going sap. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I went bad. Um, I could have could easily been sap, I guess. But uh, so there it is, You and Me Against the World by Helen Reddy off her album Love Song for Jeffrey. This was peaking at number nine in our episode 19 from September 14th. And uh, Casey said this one moved up six notches this week. And uh, this song is uh, written from the perspective of a single mother telling her child they'll get through whatever life throws at them together. This was the first song Kenny Asher and Paul Williams wrote together. Oh, Paul Williams. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, they teamed up again to write the Oscar-nominated score for the movie A Star Is Born, and the song Evergreen, and the song Rainbow Connection for the Muppet uh, movie. Yeah. The song. So this is the pretty girl. Is this the pretty girl from Nova Scotia? No, no. This is the one from Australia whose husband <laughs> okay. blew all her money on cocaine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This song. Who am I thinking of? Uh, you're, you're thinking of Anne Murray. Oh, okay, that's yeah. right. Don't get them mixed up. The bricks you dip in the gold and the gold you dip in the red paint. So this song features Sprechstema by Reddy's then 10-year-old daughter Tracy speaking to mommy at the beginning and end of the track. 
Kinder sprechen Stimme. Oh, so, so she's your age. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Helen Reddy passed away in September of 2020 at the age of 78. Now, this guy's from Canada, if I remember. Yes, he is. In fact, music playing, in time. <laughs> I thought he was going to say it. <laughs> what, you don't know all the songs from the 70s by heart yet? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going good. Here it goes. Yeah, so this is Rock Me Gently by Andy Kim off his album, Andy Kim. His real name is Andrew Yo Kim or... Y-O-U-A-K-I-M, her last name. Um, this was also in our episode 19 from September 14th, where it was number three. I rated it neutral in that one, so I don't change my ratings. But the song debuted on the uh, Hot 100 June 22nd, 1974, and it took 14 weeks to reach number one. And yeah, as you mentioned, Casey said... Here's a guy from Montreal, Canada, and sometimes Los Angeles. <laughs> so uh, Andy Kim was a veteran songwriter, often working out of the famous Brill Building. He worked on several hits, including Sugar Sugar by the Archies. He's known for the for hits that he released in the late 60s and 70s. The international hit Baby I Love You in 1969 and, uh, of course, Rock Me Gently. And he produced this on his own label and he put an instrumental of Rock Me Gently on the B-side. And uh, he's, oh, still, wow. he's still with us. He's 76. Having my baby What a lovely way this is a hard song to rate. <laughs> I, and we, of course, we know it's You're Having My Baby, and it's uh, Paul Anka with Odia Coates. Is that the right way to say it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And um, I like Paul Anka. But I have to, I think I have to go bad on this because it's kind of gross. Yeah. And icky. Yeah. So this is off his album Anka. <laughs> and this was number two in our episode 19, September 14th. Actually got to number one. Casey said this was uh, this is uh, the biggest mover this week by a singer who's been making hits for 16 years. And uh, we talked about Paul and uh, Odaya in the uh, previous episode. And uh, Paul Anka said he wrote this about the joys of fatherhood and his appreciation of his wife. But uh, a lot of women at the time didn't like it. They said, uh, you know, these are lyrics only a man could write. And the, the, the National Organization of Women took him to task, giving him a derisive Keep Her In Her Place award. <laughs> But uh, Anka, Anka insisted the song was a, an affectionate tribute to Alan Firth. And the song's popularity uh, bore that out. Uh, 
And this was a big comeback song for him. And uh, he he just turned 82 on July 30th. So happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, my God. But yeah, I, I rated this bad as well. I remember my sister hate, hate, hating this song. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go to uh, the star of the Y50 episode uh, for another little intro for number two, two. Well, now on American Top 40, I have the latest hit by the group whose lead singer used to have the longest hair of any name artist in the business, maybe even longer than Sonny and Cher combined. <laughs> when he stood still, his hair hung down below his waist. But on stage in front of his group, wailing on his guitar and screaming out a rock song, naked from the waist up, his blonde hair would be flying around and hanging over the top half of his body like his own private cloud. But then it started getting tangled in his guitar strings. So last January, he cut off 13 inches of hair. And it still hung down below his shoulders. I'm talking about Mark Farner of Grand Funk. Number 22 this week on AT40 with Shining On. <laughs> so it's funny. I, I wonder if they had any shirtless album covers. <laughs> I was thinking that would. <laughs> Yeah, so Shining On is off their album Shining, and uh, it's got to number 11. Ren Funk uh, drummer Don Brewer wrote Shining On, and he sings the lead. Um, I went neutral on this one. Um, I think it's generally good, but I think the vocals take away from the, the good instrumentals, actually. I thought yeah. the vocals sounded really forced. But, I, uh, I, I also uh, went neutral. Yeah. But from uh, 1970 to 1972, Grand Funk didn't have any big hits, but nevertheless were wildly popular with a collection of gold albums and a huge live following. In 73, they became hit makers as well with their album, We're an American Band, which was produced by our friend Todd Rundgren. Yep. And uh, spawned the number one hit, the title track. And Rundgren returned for the Shining, al uh, Shining On album. Excuse me, it is Shining On the album same as this uh, track but uh i gave them another number one with their cover of locomotion which we had yep little eva yep. carol king and jerry goffin yep yep so yeah big band in the uh, early to mid 70s get up, get down, <laughs> so you know we just had grand funk and the band i always get it mixed up with is the artist of this song, the Three Dog Night. <laughs> that, to me, they're interchangeable from that era because I was such a, you know, I was a kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Don't get them mixed up. The bricks you dip in the gold and the gold you dip in the red paint. And then there's BTO. And then there's Mod. Then there's Mod. Which is another offshoot of one of those bands, right? Yeah. Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah. So this is, um yeah, Sure As I'm Sitting Here by Three Dog Night off their album Hard Labor. So I, I read something funny about this song, and it's not in the single version, but it's in the album version. So the song was written by John Hyatt, who uh, released oh, sure. the original version on his 1974 album Hanging Around the Observatory. 
The song contains some very Zen observation, but it appears to be sung from the perspective of someone who's sitting on the toilet. Because on the al- on the album version, there's a clear sound of a toilet flushing about three quarters of the way through the the album version of the song. It's like at two minutes fifty five seconds or something. And I went out and listened to it, and it's like, yeah, sure enough, it's there. So maybe I'll throw a clip in. John Hyatt, it's a hell of a songwriter. Didn't he do that great song, Slow Turning, like 30 years ago? Um, yeah, I, I think he did. But uh, Corey Wells handled the vocals on this track. He was one of the three lead singers in the band, along with uh, Danny Hutton and Chuck McGrone. Um, but I, I went neutral on this one, but I do think the sense of humor of putting that Flushing toilet in the album versions. Pretty funny. <laughs> Mega Dittos. <laughs> Neutral. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I always found that really annoying, actually. The callers in that, the, you know. The, Mega Dittos uh, Rush. Butt Mega kiss- Dittos Mark. Yeah, the butt kissers. You know, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I I forgot to uh, mention at the beginning of the episode that uh, I got some mail. Here's a piece of mail. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, look at that. It's a uh, 3D version of Irish writers. And uh, I didn't know they knew how to spell. But uh, <laughs> Samuel Beckett, James Joyce, Bram Stoker... Oscar Wilde and William Butler Yeats. So didn't Bram Stoker didn't he do like horror stuff? Dra- Dracula. He did Dracula. Yep. Okay. So I want to suck your blood. You know, we we should do a uh, a uh, special episode doing Love at First Bite with George Hamilton. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That would be good. So any, any, anyhow, this this is uh, to me. And it's Irish writers. Ireland is renowned for the land of saints and scholars. Art, art, ah. Irish writers are studied in university classes enjoyed by readers around the world. And it said, greetings. It's crossed out. It says, hey, Pete, needed a Sharpie back in the USA to fill this one out. Mark. So looking at the back of it on channel 18, yeah. he's got two stamps. He's got an Irie W whatever a W stamp is, uh, 100objects.ie, Moraine, late 16th century, it looks like a helmet, you know, that, that, that a conquistador would have, so that's the Irish stamp, and next to it is a full-priced first-class stamp from the United <laughs> States of America. Yes. So, so how come you didn't have a Sharpie with you? I always have my Sharpie. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, traveling overseas, I didn't carry a lot. But yeah, the reason that's crossed out with the greetings is because I I was able to write your address, but then when I went to write the rest of the postcard, it, the material that that postcard is made out of, it, it, it just wouldn't take the pen. It, it actually like made it so that pen wouldn't write anymore. But when I was <laughs> And so I threw it in my backpack and I forgot about it. And then I came across it and I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll send this out now that I'm back in the States. <laughs> I, our friends at the 
the Deep Purple podcasts are going to be getting the one I forgot to send to, <laughs> which also has both the Irish and the uh, and the U.S. first class stamps on it. I uh, yeah. the woman when I bought the the postcards over there though the woman in the in the shop she was like, "Do you need stamps?" And I said, "Yes," and she put the stamps on the postcards for me actually, which was wow. Really- really great except for it must fact, have been the morning because you don't do anything in the morning yeah but ex- <laughs> except for the fact that i you know couldn't send them from over there so not only did i waste the irish postage but also the you know, first class u.s stamp postage that I put on there. <laughs> shame on me <laughs> What a what great music. trombone solo. Yeah, what music is this anyway? <laughs> That's Walter Wanderley. <laughs> okay. My favorite Brazilian uh, organ player. Yeah, was that something off the Bob Steele show? Sounds like he would have played something like that. Uh, he Well, he would play the girl from Ipanema. Yeah, but what was the one where he would do the... The, the weather and, and you know caribou oh rain. that was tiddlywinks da, 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 yeah da, yeah da, da, you, you da, da, should bring that one up da, da, for the da, next time da, da, da. okay next, I, next i'll have to find, yeah i'll have to uh find tiddlywinks yeah or, 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 or themes of tiddlywinks yeah yeah or maybe we'll start doing weather on the podcast that that'll be you know real-time well, weather we, and it comes out three weeks later or whatever. well we sort of did you know yeah we did yeah. this week yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy-five so, degrees right now. Yeah, <laughs> I got seventy-two. Okay. What, what's my personal weather station say? Hang on. Seventy-two point three degrees. Dew point sixty point three. Humidity sixty-six. Pressure twenty-nine point eight nine inches. Uh, the wind is uh, one point three from the south southeast. Zero rain today. Solar radiation right now fifty watts per meter squared. We're counting down the most popular songs in the country from Kodiak to Kokomo, from Hartford to Honolulu. Anyway, I'm going neutral on this. Yeah, this is uh, On and On by Gladys Knight and the Pips. I also went neutral. It's off their album, The Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me. It was number 11 in our episode 9 from June 29th, 1974. Peaked at number 5 and got to number 2 on the R&B chart. And it was written by Curtis Mayfield. Nice. It's no Midnight Train to Georgia, but they're great. Yeah. Probably should have done the intro that Casey did for for this because this is their first song, right? That ever hit the top forty. Um, if I remember what Casey said, is that, or was that fake news? Um, Chaka Khan. I'm not Chuck-a-con, sure. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Yeah, but yeah, Khan. Chaka Khan. Yeah, it is Chaka Khan, whose real name is Yvette Marie Stevens. But this is uh, credited to the band Rufus. And it's Tell Me Something Good. And this was number seven in our episode 19 from September 14th. Went to number four. And 
Rufus got their name from the column Ask Rufus in Mechanics Illustrated magazine. We talked about that before. Yep. And Stevie Wonder wrote this song and recorded it himself on December 13th, 1973. He copyrighted it on January 3rd, 1974, but his version was never released because he gave the song to Rufus since he was a big fan of Shaka Khan. And it sounds like there's a little talk box on this uh right there oh yeah yeah could be is that peter frampton yeah <laughs> or joe perry yeah <laughs> i'm so, going neutral on this um yeah I, I went good and shaka khan was known as the queen of funk and she just turned only 70 back in march she was a young lady uh yeah back yeah. then she's great Aren't these guys from, like, Deutschland? They are from Holland. Oh. The Dutch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or is it the Netherlands? I don't know. Have you ever gone to Al Johnson's boutique and restaurant? (laughs) (laughs) I've been driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. Oh. Yeah, so this is Radar Love by Golden Earring off their album Moon Tan. And uh, this was number 28 in our episode 9. It peaked at number 13. And Golden Earring at this point had 17 hit singles in their native Holland. But this was their first U.S. hit. Uh, UK radio station Planet Rock carried out a survey of their listeners in 2011 regarding their favorite tracks for in-car listening. This song oh, yeah. came out on top with Deep Purple's Highway Star, the runner-up, uh, and uh, ACDC's Highway to Hell in third place. So uh, Golden Earring was founded in 1961 and into the 2000s was still playing with the same lineup since 1970, doing 100 plus shows a year in the Netherlands, Belgium and Germany. The group is from the Netherlands, as I mentioned, uh, where this song hit number one. They had only one other hit in the U.S. and that one uh, didn't come until 1982. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, when the bullet hits the bone, it was a huge MTV song. Right. Yeah. With the bullet going through the, you know, the the card. You know, Jack the of Diamonds stage. was it, or yeah, or maybe it was a Jack of Diamonds. Yeah. Yep. Twilight. I think we Zone. talked about that last time we had this song on. We did, and I also talked about how the drum riff sounds like the uh, George of the Jungle cartoon from 1967. <laughs> but I rated this good. This is yeah, this is a so good driving song. Yeah. yeah. There's a drum riff. <laughs> George, George, George of the jungle. Watch out for that tree. George, George, George of the jungle, strong as he can be. Watch out for that tree. I know you're a lonely woman. So speaking of the uh, the colonel and not the captain. Mac Davis, uh, here's the king. Yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yep. So this is if you talk in your sleep. I'm sure plenty of people have mentioned Elvis Presley's name talking in their sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going good on this because I think this is really clever and he sounds great. Yeah, I am. Um, I hemmed and hawed. I, I went neutral. I guess I'll stay with it. But he does. He does sound good. I, I just thought the song was eh, okay. Um, album is uh, Promised Land and uh, Casey said 20 years ago Elvis flunked the audition for the Ted Mac original amateur hour <laughs> so uh, yeah this was number 34 in our episode 9 from uh, uh, June 29th it peaked right here at number 17 the song was written by Red West and Johnny Christopher who had earlier written Mama Like the Roses and Always on my mind, both recorded by Elvis Presley. Uh, this was Elvis's 96th hit up to this point. Wow, incredible! And, so uh, he and uh, and James Brown were <laughs> in a in an arms race. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you were talking about yeah the you know the king or the captain, and uh, yeah. I, I was reminded of you know, last week you were asking if the Commodores ever dressed up in commodore uniforms or captains or whatever so i actually did find that yes they did i i posted something up on the x i posted it up there so uh did you see that other thing that i retweeted about it was a picture of all these guys singing and uh a bunch of guys singing yeah and it's what is it the village people no it's a, it's a bunch of guy a bunch of like celebrities you'd recognize them all from the 70s act, big time actors but but older guys and and the guy who originally tweeted it goes best version of freebird ever <laughs> and then i retweeted it saying no i think they also covered you know bring out the funk or whatever <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got the trifecta. Here's BTO. Yeah. And we had Three Dog Night and we had Grand Funk. So I guess they're all different. Yeah. Yeah. What was what was the one? Oh, the Guess Who. That's that's the other oh, one. That yeah. was that was the BTO. I mean the the, the four of them are all the quadfecta. Yeah. 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 So there it is, Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive, BTO, as you said, off of Bachman Turner Overdrive II. And uh, <laughs> this was number 35 on our episode nine from uh, June 29th. It went to number 12, it was written by Randy Bachman, who also sang the lead. And Bachman was listening to Fox Radio on the way to a club and heard the DJ say they were taking care of business, which gave him the idea for the hook. Let It Ride off this album was their first hit, and their next album was even a bigger hit. You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. A number one. And, um, yep. So I, I, I rated this one good, even though it's another one that's been played into the ground. Oh, good, right? Yep. I went neutral. Okay. 
Didn't Casey talk about this band and how they were called, like, you know, a bunch of guys and they and they, they didn't make it and said, let's rename ourselves Wet Willie. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I forget what the what the other name you know, a bunch of guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good name for a band. <laughs> Drummer Lewis Ross assembled the musicians for a group called Fox in the summer of 1969 and after relocating from Mobile, Alabama to Macon, Georgia, became known as Wet Willie in 1970. So yeah, this is Keep On Smiling by Wet Willie. And this was in both our episodes, 19 and 9, where it was number 40 and number 34, respectively. Now, looking back at that episode 9, that was confusing because that was that episode where we had the weird thing where it was the AT40 people made up their own top. Oh, yeah. The billboard was late or whatever it was. Yeah. Right, and that's where uh, what what song was it that was on there that was never on there? Was it, was it Black Sabbath? Top, top forty, I forget what it was. Yeah, what, what was you said? Episode nine. Episode nine. Yeah, you could you could look it up or, or ZZ Top. I think it was ZZ Top. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But um, anyway, uh, this was what Willie's only hit. And they were, along with the Allman Brothers Band and Leonard Skinner, the hardest rocking of the Southern bands to come to national attention in the early 70s. The band released one more album called Which One's Willie? <laughs> of the bunch of guys, I guess. Which One's Willie? <laughs> in 1979, which performed just as poorly or even worse than uh, this album. But uh, the group broke up in 1980. But uh in 1974 and 1976, they were on tour and they opened for Rory Gallagher. Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this was. Yeah, there was only three songs that were actually the same, which is uh, if you could talk in your sleep and rock your baby. We'll we'll get to sundown. Rennie Bachman uh, introduced that episode in uh, <coughs> yeah he had he introduced, XM. he introduced this one as well actually yeah so I went neutral on this what are you doing yeah um, I actually put I actually said good yeah. okay who the hell you are are you a bomber flower now the wildwood yeah. flower is an old country classic. All right, I'm I'm going. The whole new I'm going bad on this. This is you know your Ray Stevens. Flowers doing real. You know, Jim Stafford. I don't. Uh, I, I just. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. I I went neutral. Um, I I think because I I looked back and that's what I I did before. I think I was borderline on this all along though between bad and neutral. But I'll, we'll leave it at neutral. Yeah. So yeah, this is sounds like a little juice harp back there, right? Yeah. Things got fuzzy and things got. So yeah, Wildwood Weed by Jim Stafford. This was number thirty in our episode nineteen. This was actually a nineteen sixty four country western parody song written by Don Bowman. This version peaked at number seven despite the song's popularity some am radio stations banned it because of its references to marijuana and it ends with the same line as the beverly hillbillies does y'all come back now you hear well this is the sound of miami 
and not the Miami Sound Machine, right? Right. Didn't didn't Casey have something to do with this? Yes. So this is Rock the Boat by the Hughes Corporation off the album Best of the Hughes Corporation. So yeah. Yeah, so this, of course, was also covered by the disco band for the disco yes, hits album. Right. <laughs> and it was with, also with Carl Douglas, right? Right. And it was, yeah, number five in our episode nine from June 29th. And uh, yeah, the, their name was a pun on the billionaire Howard Hughes's corporation. And on my Twitter feed, I kept getting stuff from the real howard hughes corporation because i posted something about this band but but anyway this also we talked about this is a thing in ireland at weddings when they play this the people get down on the floor and pretend they're rowing it's uh the part where they go row yeah i like because it sounds like my name (laughs) but uh, anyway yeah i voted good on this one and it and it and it was uh written by mr casey of KC and the Sunshine Band. Sounds like Telly Savalas right there. Actually, we we may have an instant correction here. Oh no. I, I believe this is the song that was written by Richard Finch and Harry Wayne Casey of the Casey and Sunshine Band. But this one was also covered by the disco <laughs> band for the Disco right. Hits album. <laughs> what was that? Episode 30-something? Uh, 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 yeah. I, when we, I when, when we do the disco hits. I, I, I don't have it written down here, but uh, while well, you look that up, uh, this is, yeah, Rock Your Baby by George McRae off the album Rock Your Baby. Yeah, the original was in our episode 9 from June 29th, where it was number 9. And this was one of the first hits of the disco era. And it went to number 1. This sold over 11 million copies worldwide. I rated this good. And yeah. and I, I rated Rock Your Boat good, too, if we didn't... Uh... Yeah. Disco Hits was episode 30, folks. Ah, Okay. Yep, that was our special that we did around Thanksgiving of last year, and uh, yep. had your your your, bro- your buddy on, yeah, Mr. Jaime, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm going good on this, you know, the Hughes Corporation, and uh, this is uh, George McRae, and there's going to be another song, I think, on this episode. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. From the disco hits. Uh, yeah. Well, we've had a lot of 1974. You're going good on this, right? Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting. The first song in this countdown was Kung Fu. And there were yeah. two Kung Fu related songs done by the disco band and the disco hits. Uh, That's right. The Carl Douglas songs. The Carl yep. Douglas songs. And we, we talked about how we thought perhaps Carl Douglas was like a shadow member of the disco <laughs> band because it sounded just like <laughs> anyway that's a fun episode <laughs> oh yeah well we'll have to find another one like that uh, in me or white teeth that's got to be one of the best piano lines ever in a yeah, have a song. Yeah. 
I tell you, I've come to appreciate these uh, people a lot more over the years, as I think a lot of people have. And then, you, you know, you listen to how these big musicians thought they were great, too. Oh, yeah, this is uh, Waterloo by ABBA. Yeah, doesn't Richie Blackmore? Richie Blackmore, yeah. And yeah. Um, Keith Richards, I thought, too. Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so this is off the album Waterloo. And Casey said, this is not to be confused with the 1959 hit Waterloo by Stonewall Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, of course, he goes, this is done by a group out of Sweden, don't you know, that call themselves ABBA. And uh, so, yeah, this was in our episode nine from June 29th. It peaked at number six and was the song that won the Eurovision Song Competition that had 17 entries from 17 countries. And um, they must yeah. have beat out Golden Earring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, ABBA not only recorded this song in their native Swedish uh, and then in English, but they also recorded a version in French for the French markets and one in German for the German markets. And uh, yeah, we talked about how these guys would be on that Don Kirshner's rock concert with uh, Rory Gallagher. So they were just taping it around the time of this countdown. So what do you give Waterloo? That's a good. Yeah, same here. Ugh. <laughs> All right, I'm going bad on this. Yeah, I, I went bad, but I, it brings a smile to my face because I, <laughs> I actually used this. This was in our uh, both our episodes nine and nineteen, where it was. Uh, Number 20 and number 37, respectively. This is Sideshow by Blue Magic. And uh, yeah, it's got that carnival slash circus trope that you hate. And I think I used it as an agonizer in one of the episodes. <laughs> but this went up to number eight and got to number one in the R&B chart. Blue Magic were a Philly soul group, along with the stylistics and the Delphonics. They ensured that the Philly soul was known for vocal groups with a high tenor for lead vocalists, as much as whalers and crooners. And yeah, I, I, I agree with that carnival circus trope stuff. Yeah. Uh, with one exception, Tattooed Lady by Rory Gallagher. Okay. Now, did Gilligan's Island ever have a like a circus scene? Uh... Well, didn't, this, didn't someone throw like a knife at Ginger or something? Well, didn't a crate walk? Up? Well, there was the one with the, the lion. Was that like from the circus that it washed up? It might have been. Yeah. And, and also See, that's believable. Yeah. yeah. Not a gorilla. Yeah. And wasn't there a crate full of like stuff from the circus or a magic show or something that showed up? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm picturing that, and so am I. But I, when you said throwing the the knives, I'm picturing Cheryl Ladd getting the knife. Yeah. From her. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, so the same the same afternoon that Gilligan's Island was on was a terrible episode, but the best the best line ever in the Brady Bunch: pork chops and apple sauce. Apple sauce. Oh yeah. <laughs> Freaking oh. Peter. Ugh. 
quoted many times that was because <laughs> uh, I, I can remember as a kid when my mother would make pork chops i says pork chops and applesauce yep <laughs> i should go out and buy some pork chops when i go yeah, to stew lines on this weekend if i haven't already dubbed it in that that clip will be making an appearance i think pork chops and applesauce and that's swell all right let's see it's 1974 so we must be after v is this vi or vii this is vii Whoa! Yeah, good, good call. You you know your your Chicago Roman numerals. That's right. And, uh, yeah, there was another thing I posted on uh, on the, the what was formerly known as the Twitter. With the there was a Jeopardy question, and they had you add up all the Roman numerals. <laughs> and I said, "Well, I bet I know who knows the answer to this one." <laughs> That's right. I saw that Chicago. <laughs> I'm going good on this, even though I I, I like this song. It's it's a it's a really good song. I, yeah, I, like I, I went good too. Yeah, this is Call on Me. This song peaked at number six. It was written by Lee Longnane, uh, who is a founding member and trumpet player for Chicago. Peter Cetera sang the lead on this track, and uh, Chicago VII was a double album with more jazz influenced tracks than their previous two albums uh, call on me was the second single from the set uh, following i've been searching so long and proceeding wishing you were here it made it to number one on the adult contemporary chart the second time the band made that top spot uh, beginnings was their first the band would eventually score eight adult contemporary number ones the bongos <laughs> on number eight or is that v-i-i-i <laughs> do they even teach roman numerals anymore in elementary school i, I have to ask my daughter if her roman numerals because I, I remember like in the third or fourth grade right about this time learning roman numerals yeah yeah i mean if they don't teach it anymore then like new fans of chicago will be all confused <laughs> how about cursive writing do they just teach you how to write your name and that's it i mean my my daughter went to the roman catholic parochial school and she had to learn how to how to do that but the public schools gave up because they're too busy teaching whatever the state government tells them to teach ah. like I'm the uh, one fan the things i'm not going to mention the unmentionables yes the unmentionables. <laughs> so so this is uh please come to boston by dave loggins and this was in our second cousin of Kenny, yeah, yeah. who yeah. I'm going to be seeing next month. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that or this month. Yeah, next month. Yeah. yeah. Was that your birthday gift? That was a birthday gift. Also, yeah. the Steinfeld, yeah. which is really good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this was in our episode 19 from uh, uh, September uh, 14th, where it was number 36. 
It spent two weeks at number five on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in August of 74. And yeah, we, we talked about how Casey said, you know, that he owed his recording contract, Dave Loggins, to a mysterious benefactor who shared his last name. And at that time, they didn't know that they were related. But uh, yeah, Kenny Loggins' brother, Dan, hired a PI to investigate, and they finally... Well, folks, we're having technical difficulties here. Uh, someone send Mark uh, 500 bucks so he can buy a new uh, a new computer. Can you hear me now? Yeah, what happened? I, I think the, uh, the USB came... It wasn't, like, plugged in fully or something. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh... <laughs> So technical difficulties. Uh, we, we need to have uh, <coughs> the uh, 70s weekly content with Mark and Pete technical services go over to Mark's house to make sure everything's plugged in correctly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I guess since I retired and I'm doing nothing, I'm getting rusty at the technical stuff. I was never that good anyway. Um, so anyway, this song I, I rated uh, a good actually. Oh, good. Okay. I don't yeah. know where my audio cut out, but uh, Dave uh, Loggins is still with us. He's seventy-five. Yeah. So, um, so Uncle Bill told me about three weeks ago. Have you listened to Sirius XM Yacht Rock Deep Cuts? <laughs> and I've been listening to it, and okay. uh, they got stuff that is not Yacht Rock, like freaking Fleetwood Mac and the beach boys but um they've been playing some really good and it's not it, i'm thinking of kenny loggins not dave loggins but some like solo jim messina stuff and it's so good and i've been listening to him on my commute and um and i've been telling the alexa machine to play it also so uh so for those of you that like uh Yacht Rock, and I, I like it. Yacht Rock Deep Cuts on Sirius XM. Yeah, yeah I'll, have to, I'll have to check that out, or at least check out some um, Jim Messina stuff. Yeah. yeah. And we missed that concert because you had to, like, get your hair washed that night or something back in April. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that, like, always an excuse? Yeah, if you, if, if you asked a woman for a date, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't it, think it, ever. It, it, she'd wash her hair with Prell. Yeah. Remember Prell? Prell or yeah, Head and Shoulders or. <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey was saying how these guys uh, got back together. This is Phil uh, Medley and Jim Messina or whoever the heck it is. This is the Righteous Brothers, right? Yeah, yeah, Bill Medley and Bobby Hatfield. And yeah, they had, uh, this was a reunion after they had split up for six years. And yeah, this is Rock and Roll Heaven uh, by the Righteous Brothers uh, off their album, Give It to the People. And the song talks about numerous music stars who died too young. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Otis Redding, Jim Morrison, Jim Croce, and Bobby Darin. And this song was written by John Stevenson and Alan O'Day. 
and first recorded by the band Climax, who are best known. Isn't for- Alan O'Day the undercover angel? Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. Remember the song Undercover yeah, Angel? That was like just last that? week, and I forget already. But uh, yeah, Climax had Precious and Few, the famous Shut Up, Shut Up, Shut Up song. <laughs> and Oh yeah, and uh, Alan O'Day also wrote uh, Helen Reddy's number one hit, Angie Baby. And, and yeah, That's uh, right. yeah, yeah, and the number one hit, Undercover Angel. I didn't get far enough in my text that you asked that question. <laughs> I am just a mess. It comes from, so I'm atrophying from doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so... This song kind of reminds me of the Ricky Nelson song, um, A Garden Party. Okay. All right. And, yeah. and of course, we talked about Ricky Nelson being on on uh, the Hardy Boys uh, show last, last episode. Right. And then I got a message from our buddy Nate, who said that uh, my buddy, David Keith, who's the drummer for Blackmore's Night and Rainbow, who I met at the Hanging Hills Brewery after I saw Deep Purple with you and Heavy D and Nate uh, back in 2019. He's now the drummer for Nelson. Oh, wow. Wow. That's interesting. (laughs) And he's from the town that you live in now. Oh, he is. David Keith. And his website's dead. So what are you doing? I went neutral. Um, I went good on this one. For some reason, I guess uh, nostalgically good. Well, one of those guys uh, was in that song with that woman from that movie that I never saw. What, Officer and a Gentleman? Yeah. 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 Bill Medley, right? Right. And Officer and a Gentleman, Deborah Winger, who was Wonder Girl. We talked about that <laughs> last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, the stuff goes on. (laughs) So this is... I'm going neutral. Yeah, I went went neutral on this as well. This is The Air That I Breathe by The Hollies, off the best of The Hollies. This was in our episode 9 from uh, June 29th, where it was number 11. It went to number 6, and Casey talked about The Hollies coming to America in 1966 with the British Invasion. Their biggest hit was Long Cool Woman that went to number two. This was written by the songwriting team of Albert Hammond and Mike Hazelwood shortly after they moved to Los Angeles. Before Hazelwood's death in 2001, they wrote songs for many artists, including Johnny Cash and Olivia Newton-John. The song is about a guy whose every desire is fulfilled by the woman he loves. His list of things he can live without as long as he has her love are cigarettes, sleep, light, sound, food, and books. All right, I'm I'm going. I'd like to go bad. In the heat of a summer and I think I will. Yeah, because this is stupid. Yeah, I, I I went bad on it, and uh, and uh, of course I went bad on it uh, before. So yeah, this was uh, the night Chicago died by Paper Lace off their album. I died on my- so this was number 14 in episode 19 
from uh, September 14th. It went to number one, believe it or not. The writers of the song, Mitch Murray and Peter Chandler, were British, don't you know, and, and had never been to Chicago. They were brought up on older American gangster movies, which was the inspiration for the song. They picked the east side of Chicago by default. The term east side usually means the seamy side of the city. But in retrospect, they realized that they were talking about New York, not Chicago. We should ask Nate. Is it the east side of Chicago, Lake Michigan? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say we should ask Nate what's the good and bad sections. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the song is pure fiction. And uh, but Paper Lace, uh, we talked about this before. They sent the song to the mayor of Chicago, Richard Daly. Oh, jeez! Greatly disliked it, and a member of Daly's staff is quoted as saying that Paper Lace should jump in the Chicago River, placing your heads underwater three times and surfacing only twice. <laughs> Pray tell us, are you nuts? <laughs> Is there gas in the car? <laughs> yeah. You're going good, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yes. So this, of course, is uh, Ricky Don't Lose That Number by Steely Dan off the album Pretzel Logic. Do you have this album? Yes, I do. Yeah. This and is uh, the one, I think the cover is the guy selling like hot dogs out of the cart, if I recall. Yeah, not so the this, praying mantis, which is that other one. Yeah. No, or can't buy a thrill, which is shirtless. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was number seventeen from episode nine. It's peaking right here at number four, and I think we talked about, according to a two thousand six interview with Entertainment Weekly, the Ricky of the title is Ricky. The, the Cornet, a New York writer and artist, Steely Dan's Donald Fagan, met her while both were attending Bard College, a small liberal arts school in Annandale on the Hudson. So that comes up in another Steely Dan song, right? My Old School. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, the Cornet said they met at a college party. And even though she was both pregnant and married at the time, uh, Donald Fagan gave her his number, and uh, although not in the same context as the song, the uh, cornet was intrigued by Fagan and uh, attempted to call him, but she decided against it. And uh, this album also had the song "Any Major Dude." So I'm thinking of Ricky. And wasn't there a lady named Ricky Lake who had like a TV talk show? Sure, sure. And I think she was famous for being in the, the play or, or in the movie Hairspray. Oh, was it Hairspray, the Warren Beatty movie? Or no, that was Shampoo. Shampoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sponsored by Prell, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching this thing on public television over the weekend about Hollywood in the Hollywood sign and stuff and they had worn they, they talked about Chinatown uh, and and the movie Shampoo and I never saw either of those um, it, they were interviewing um, Warren Beatty that's before he did Ishtar and ruin his career um, <laughs> yeah yeah but, Ishtar uh, was the uh, I'm in you of <laughs> Warren Beatty's career <laughs> yeah I I remember who the TV show I never watched it but I don't know. That's the only Ricky I know. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, Ricky Lee Jones, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Chucky's in Love. Chucky's in Love, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good song. This is a good song. I, I like Steely Dan. Yeah. And I did hear Steely Dan on <coughs> Sirius XM Deep Cuts Yacht Rock or whatever, whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. So this is not uh, bad company, right? <laughs> Actually, the, on on this date, forget what year, but Bad Company released their album Bad Company with the song Bad Company, the same name as the band Bad Company. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, this is Feel Like Making Love by Roberta Flack. And uh, off the album of the same name, Feel Like Making Love. And um, yeah, this was number 21 in episode 19. And Casey said, here's the former English teacher, Roberta Flack. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, this song was composed by singer-songwriter Eugene McDaniels and recorded uh, originally by soul singer-songwriter Roberta Flack. The song has been covered by several R&B and jazz artists. And Roberta Flack produced the record under her pseudonym, Rubina Flake. And uh, she is still with us. She's 86 years old. Wow. She's uh, got a beautiful voice. This is this is good in my opinion. Yeah, this yeah, is, I went this good on great. this one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not icky like that other one that we had earlier. Rub it in. <laughs> yeah. Holding hands by candlelight. Nice bongos. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> We've had bongos and fiber slap in this episode. That's right. I can't lie. This is number two. No more. This is Reginald Davis, or whatever the heck his name is. Dave Davis. Yeah. <laughs> Reginald Dave, Dave Davis. Yeah. I'm going to go neutral on this. Reginald Sammy Davis. Davis Jr. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you doing? I went good on this one, but uh, I could go good, but I just it's yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, this is uh, "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me" by Elton John off his album Caribou. And uh, Casey said the chart action on this was it debuted at number twenty-five, then it went to number six and number four, and now number two. And this song was influenced by the Beach Boys and contains contributions from members of the group. Carl Wilson and Bruce Johnston both sang backup. And Elton said the Beach Boys' sound harmonies and the way they structured their songs was an influence on many of his songs, including this oh. one and also Someone Saved My Life Tonight. Now, oh, sure. Yeah. Now, the Captain and Tennille performed on this. And the idea was to have a huge chorus made up of semi-famous singers in the background, Dusty Springfield, as well as members of America and Three Dog Night recorded vocals for the song, but all the voices sounded terrible when they mixed them together. So they just used Carl Wilson, Bruce Johnston, and Tony Tennille. <laughs> oh, wow. So so was, was Shannon in the, uh, in the studio? With the Beach Boys? I don't know. Was Shannon still alive then? 
<laughs> I thought Shannon was earlier the song, so I assume yeah, maybe it was Shannon I I. <laughs> you gotta go listen to all the other episodes to get these jokes folks at least we're having fun yeah yeah (laughs) all right now we're gonna hit the number one song for the week ending august 3rd 1974 here it comes con you fill up my like night in a forest. So this is the story about like the John Duschendorf's wife that he later left. Like a walk in the rain. Yeah. yeah. This is Annie's song by John Denver off his album Back Home Again. And yeah, this was also in our episode nine where it was number 10. And yeah, as you mentioned, uh, John Denver wrote this for his then wife, Ann Martell, after their first separation and near breakup of their marriage in 1974. He said that it was one of the fastest songs he ever wrote, composing it in about 10 minutes while riding a ski lift in Aspen, Colorado. And he was reflecting on all the joy he found in his marriage and his relief that they were back together yeah this one this is this was a big song back then and um i i go good on this uh the vocals are are really really nice in this one so he wasn't married to arlene martell no i know who she is though who is she she was Tiger from Hogan's Heroes and Spock's Beyonce. And she was in a lot of other stuff, too. I saw her in a Mannix one night. I think she was in a Columbo, too. Yeah, she was uh, at the uh, <clears throat> at, uh, the one with uh, uh, Ross Martin. Uh, she was, wasn't she the uh, receptionist? At the uh, at the where art. the paintings were at the, the art, art the art studio with with Vic Tabeck. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forgot he was in that episode too. <laughs> and and the, uh, the the woman that uh, Ross Martin you know killed with a rock that was actually uh, I think William Link's uh, wife. Yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, I texted that has you. to be one of the best Columbos. Yeah, and I texted you last night because I was watching Adam Twelve, and this guy's robbing a store, and he's got this one hostage. He's got a stocking over his head, and he he says to the cop something like, "Yeah, yeah, get out of here," or this lady gets it, and I'm like, I know that voice. That's bitter burned to a crisp guy from. <laughs> And then they arrest the Gorn, the, yeah. the devil in the dark. Devil in the dark, and they uh, the Horda, actually. And they, uh, yeah. they pull his mask off, and I'm like, oh, yeah, sure enough, that's him. And I was so proud of myself. I'm like, <laughs> I, I identified the suspect just by his voice. <laughs> so so is Adam 12 on in the morning, or is that at noontime? Is it after you've done everything you haven't done yet? Yeah, well, it's in the evening when I'm, you know, retiring from <laughs> my busy day. <laughs> 
All right, so uh, that's it, folks. Uh, so the number one soul song was uh, My Thang by James Brown. The number one uh, country song was Rub It In by Billy Crash Craddock. And the number one LP was Caribou by Elton John. And um, the biggest label this week was um, ABC. And ABC, of course, had Billy Crash Craddock and uh, uh, Steely Dan. And uh, Rufus and someone else. Oh, Jim Croce and uh, Lamont Dozier. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah. it was it was a big record label. That now it's all owned by like there's like two record labels. It's like Universal and Sony. I mean that's it. You know? Yeah. But anyhow, and what K-Tel. time is it? Yeah. K-Tel. <laughs> and the disco hit. Uh, <laughs> label pickwick yeah. pickwick crackers yeah so this is the point where we do our ratings of the songs and our our picks and uh so the first one we always do is the one we of course call the agonizer the song that tortures the other guy your agonizer please no mr Spock. so what do you got for me number six Yeah, yeah, this is a... Uh, what did I rate this, actually? I think... I don't uh, know. I... You rated uh, it... Uh, I, I gave it a neutral. It's, you rated it neutral. It's, it's very plotting. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not a bad choice for an agonizer because I, it, it just doesn't get along. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't want to listen to this for a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I just turned it off for you. <laughs> All right, and uh, yeah, I, so again, I not wanting to repeat, I went and looked back at stuff I chose from other episodes for Agonizers. So this was a, uh, a different one, and uh, that's uh, number 23. <laughs> I went bad on this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of icky. <laughs> yeah. But I do like Paul Ink. I think I think he's... He's a national treasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his vocals on it are, are great. It's just the yeah. song. And Odaya, she's she's beautiful. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did well together. So yeah, so yeah. No, no, no shade on the talent here. It's just it's just a particular song. All right. Well, I'm gonna go to my. What do we call this one? Best song of the countdown. Best Ready? song of the countdown. Yeah. All right. Number thirty-eight. Great choice. I I picked this one as my best for the previous one. So so we're we're but I don't know if we can play the music. <laughs> yeah, maybe we <laughs> will. I noticed our friends over at the Deep Purple podcast played the losing music from Price. Oh, I heard that. Did you send them that clip? Uh, I, I don't think I did. No, but I okay, sent them. Another... I remember he was asking for clips at some point. Yeah, I oh. sent him another clip that I won't tell you what it is, but uh, but uh, because of because of something that I've heard happen during their podcast a few times. But anyway, uh, yeah, great, great song. This is um, fantastic. This is, this is I, I love this. The spinners are awesome. I think the spinners are coming to the casino. I mean, we miss them in the 
April or May, and yeah. I think they're coming around again. Uh, it's so far away. Yeah. yeah. We're so old. Well, yeah. I, I, you know, when you do nothing all day, it's hard to get out, get off the couch and go to a concert. <laughs> but the spinners are older than us. Then again, how many... How many of those guys are the original guys? You know, it's, you know yeah, I think there's nephews only nephews and cousins and stuff. Yeah, I think there's only one or two that. Yeah, maybe only one actually. Yeah. But, well, maybe uh, maybe maybe we should look in, into that because we we still got to think about driving all the way to uh, the shed to see uh, Alice Cooper and you know Housewife Rock. And, yeah, Rob Zombie. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. So. This is this is fantastic, and of course, Dan Warwick as yeah. uh, uh, as Chuck Berry would say, she's from our alma mater. Yes, yeah, proud of it. Yep. All right. Um, so yeah, as, as I said, I chose that song as my best from a previous countdown. So um, yeah, I I went with uh, number eighteen. Radar Love. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you know, they had the, the one other U.S. hit later, which was also a really good song. Um, I don't, have you ever listened to any of their other stuff? I've only heard this song in Bullet Through the Bone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, those two were like. Because it's not on Deep Tracks Yacht Rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, those two are such good songs. It's like, I got to believe the, the st- other stuff that was good. And, um, you know, and, and maybe I was biased a little bit by the Georgia the Jungle drum breakdowns. George, George, George of the Jungle, strong as he can be. But this is a great song. Great driving song. Yeah. So when we go, uh, let's see, when are we driving together next? Uh, well, when we go to Worcester next month, right? Maybe we'll play this. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you could do up a mixtape. <laughs> well, let's see. I have one car that still has a tape deck in it. Ah, is it a cassette so, or an eight track? No, that one's cassette. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm going to go for the worst song of the week because it's really close and here we go name of this song is the wildwood flower now the wildwood flower is an so, old country we talked about it before Ugh. yeah i i again i don't want to change my ratings from previous episodes i i rated this neutral but i honestly think it's bad all right i mean maybe maybe it's dated too for us like just haha marijuana haha yeah i don't know (laughs) i mean considering now that they're selling the wildwood flower down at the chowder pot (laughs) (laughs) yeah unbelievable you know the the state's run by lunatics. All right. Uh, yeah, my worst of the countdown, I, I think you probably agree with this one to, to an extent, and that's uh, number 25. Tell me again, Mommy. Oh. <laughs> the, the, the trope with the 70s, there were several songs, too, where they had, like, kids kids you talking are... or in the background or singing, and I, I just never, never liked it either, but... Uh, yeah, you know, nothing against Helen Ready to great, great talent. 
Uh, oh, without a doubt, yeah. And, and too bad she got ripped off by her coke uh, fiend, you know, husband. That she didn't she meet her husband like the first day she was in New York City and yeah. something. Yeah. And and I don't know. Talk about a bad relationship, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Blew it on coke and wildwood weed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, all right. I'm going to go to my guilty pleasure, which is close by. Number right. 29. Yeah, yeah, this is a. I didn't. Hang in there, baby. Yeah, I don't remember this. I mean, this is kind of reminiscent of a Barry White type song, but uh, but the, the music is really good. And yeah, his voice is great. Just a little Sprechenze right there. Yeah. Sprechgesang. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a really good song. I, I kind of love it when we come across these that you know for whatever reason we don't know or didn't get a lot of airplay, but they're they're really good. Yeah. I rem I remember the song over the decades, and yeah. um, I I just think it's. Can I use the word pretty? Sure. All right, I'm going to use the word pretty. I think this is a, a pretty song. Yeah. And. I, it, Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a well written song. It's performed great. It's got it all. <laughs> yeah, and it's even a little you know period piece with that little you know guitar, guitar yeah. whatever yeah. whatever. I I don't know what's that called, but I. It, it's almost like the shaft. You yeah, know, yeah. I've heard guitar. that. I've heard that little. I don't know if you'd even call it a riff. It's almost like a strum or something. Yeah, yeah chord yeah great this is this is a beautiful song it's pretty yeah yeah all righty maybe maybe we'll go out on that one i don't know that's yeah yeah I, w I wouldn't mind but but i know what i'm going to choose to go out on so okay and you know what it is okay <laughs> do i uh, you uh, should uh, by now okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's we've only been on what 56 episodes yeah <laughs> All right, so my my guilty pleasure probably. Oh, I gotta hear that again. As you say, what your guilty pleasure? Yeah, is. yeah. So this is probably gonna come as no surprise, uh, but I, I I do like the original version, and that's number twelve. Six. Al McRae, right? George McRae, yep. Oh, by... who's Al McRae? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His cousin. Yeah. Written by Casey and the Sunshine, Sunshine Band. <laughs> and, uh, you know, covered by the disco hits. Wait, was this one of the ones that we thought it was Carl Douglas singing? <laughs> I think so. Hits, but, uh, no, but, this no, is a great song. This, yeah, is, this is beautiful. That's why I said I like the original. But it's funny, too. Like, uh, Rock the Boat and Rock Your Baby were back to back. And then you had... Right, your and his wife at the time had that other song. Uh, George McRae's wife. Uh, what the heck was her song? Oh, Yeah. The heck was it? 
I don't know. <laughs> the memory isn't good, but uh, yeah, we had so we had yeah, rock your baby, uh, rock your boat. Then you're having my baby, and then hang on, hang in there, baby. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Countdown. <laughs> Who's this, who the heck is his wife? Who had that song? I'm on the Wikipedia right now. I know that he. Uh, oh, Gwen. Yeah. McCray? Yeah, but there's no link to Gwen. Oh, Gwen McCray. Yeah. So she was. Uh, for your love. Let's see. Blah, 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 blah. Rockin' Chair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And had a follow up love insurance. Was that written in the big city? (laughs) (laughs) Boy, did you hear about, you know, the big insurance company that's now owned by the big, you know, pharmaceutical company. They're going to lay off 5,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, story song of the week. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. I'm going with number, I think, number 18. Because my hands are on the wheel. And yeah. I'm I'm doing whatever this song talks about in Dutch. Yeah. Um, looking for my notebook because I had it written down. I think I did this as the story song uh, from that previous episode. Let's see. I don't know. Well, maybe I'll have to go to the rules committee. Um, let's... You know, in, in reality, what I need to do is put all this stuff in the spreadsheet. Yeah. But you should do it. You're retired. That's <laughs> yeah, too much effort. Um... <laughs> do, do it in the afternoon. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is this is clearly a story song. But, yeah. uh, okay, I'm not sure if I chose it before or not for a story song. But anyway, uh, yeah, all good, right, good choice. Yeah, okay. And, What's uh, your story song? I, I went with uh, number thirty-four, and there were there were quite a few choices we could have had in this countdown for story songs. But eh. okay, yeah. You know, he goes, he goes to the edge of town, and there's the sheriff gunning to shoot him down or whatever. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> I've heard the song. I, I I kind of know the story. Yeah, yeah. Which which was very confusing all the time. And... <laughs> How this is about birth control? Someone explained that one to me. <laughs> I think that's fake news. I think I think she was just messing with the interviewer. <laughs> All right. Divergent songs. So I had divergent songs and I crossed it all off. I said, I said that's that's too too tropish. Okay. Okay. I had trouble. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna start with number thirty-seven. All right. This is my thing. All right. Yeah. And so it's mine. All right. 
Okay, yeah. All right. No question about that. Yeah. All right. And I mean, come on like you should. Come on with you. Come on. Yeah. It's divergent with your baby. <laughs> okay. My thing. Your baby. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, I struggled with this big time. I, I I went through like three or four iterations, and I think what I came up with was subpar. <laughs> Does this is this any good? Does it meet the quality control that we need? Do I need to call Dave Dave B? Yeah. Quality. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah it's, okay. it, it's conforming. I don't have to go on MR. Okay, so <laughs> so first article inspection, it passes, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I, I might need you to write up a unit history sheet <laughs> explaining why, but yeah. <laughs> but the TMS tells us all about it. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> What a bunch of what a bunch of nerds. <laughs> nerds. 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 What is a nerd? All right. Uh so my as I said, this this these two suck, but this is what I came up with. So uh yeah, I first had number 17. I know you're a lonely woman. All right. And I Dang. love you. Oh so, yeah, this is Elvis. If you talk in your sleep. And so, uh, you know, it's talking about assuming his uh, partner that's sleeping. And <laughs> this is awful. And I, uh, I just juxtapose that with number three. Strolling in the park, watching when I turn to Ew. <laughs> feel like making love. <laughs> Well, if you're out of luck because your partner's just talking in their sleep over there, it's awful. I'm gonna, in fact, I'm gonna cue up the losing music right now on myself. <laughs> All right, I'm the I'm the jerk that came up with this category, so I suffer the consequences. <laughs> All right, so as you know, when he's on the chart. We always try and go out on this fella. <laughs> Fellas! Yeah! Unless you want something else. Nah, this is fine. Because this is something I, I never hear. All these other ones, you know, I, I could really do, uh, you know, the Spinners and Dion or uh, uh, Why Would We? <laughs> yeah. I, fair, fair point. I mean, the guy had... How many hits he finally had, but I mean, whatever it was but, up to this point, 84, and you don't hear a lot of these. I, I, yeah. I agree, yeah. But, you know, we're, we're going to go out with, with something else. This, this this is, this is, a yeah, not as violent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little, little, little smooth exit here. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's make it smooth. Hang in there, yeah. So, um. So uh, what do we what do we have for the uh, individual uh, tally of our our ratings yeah. of the songs? So you had twenty good. I had eighteen. You had five bad. I had six. We're tied with neutral, and I only had one sap. You had zero sap. Wow. Okay. 
I, it's actually amazing how close that is. I mean, yeah. I don't know what kind of statistical math we could do on that. but Well, we have to do some KPC data on this. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that also in my spare time uh, in the yeah. afternoon. Um, but, yeah, yeah, all right. So, so yeah. So, with that, um, I, I, ha- I went B plus on that, on this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some good stuff here some nice you know beginnings of disco with your rock the boat and your uh rock your baby and um also the uh the commodore song the uh mm-hmm. machine gun this one is great but you know oh, this there's, is, I, I love this song yeah but there is a fair amount of bad so so yeah, b plus i think is is, is generous for this yeah yeah well, I, I went and I, I'm not going to change my rating because I wrote it down for those of you looking on channel 18. Yeah. B. Okay. Yep. Well, I mean, yeah. And I, uh, you know, I sort of always judge the letter grade kind of by the number of good songs. So, so I would say, yeah, with, with your, your 18 good, that's, that's a fair, fair mark. I don't yeah. think you'd, you'd get anyone going to, you know, office hours complaining about their grade <laughs> after that. So. Yeah. 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 Now, this is, and we've spent a lot of time in 1974, it seems, and uh, especially with yeah. the disco hits, uh, episode 30 or whatever it was. But we also had that special episode where we did the, what was it, the bottom 20 of the top 100 or whatever. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So we have spent a lot of time in 74. The summer of hepatitis. (laughs) (laughs) And and President Nixon resigning and Gerald Ford coming on board. Yeah. yeah. Nelson Rockefeller. Yeah. And uh, Gail's family tag sale. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So when when we look back at 1974, you know, it was good. It's good being like young, really young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of cool reminiscing about this, though. You know, I'm sort of like reconnecting with it a little bit as we talk about this stuff and listen to the music. Whereas, you know, over time in the '70s, had become moshed together for me a lot. You know, just little snippets of things here and there, but. But not the specifics of the, the time frame and the years. All right. So, um, as you know, the the Twitter has morphed into X now, or is it ten? Would Chicago say it's called ten? <laughs> or is it the X? Yeah. But uh, so you can find us. Uh, at 70s weekly or at seven weekly seven zero weekly seven zero weekly seven zero weekly and uh post some fun stuff up there and um yeah yeah hope you hope you can join us again thanks for listening folks and keep your podcast machine right where it's tuned yeah and as casey might say keep on smiling and keep on rubbing it in. Ew. <laughs>